Well, thank you, and uh, and thank you, girls. Wow, what a blessing that was. Um, that's the kind of Jesus we serve, isn't it? That uh, the same Jesus that changes our hearts, changes our lives, can change it in everybody's hearts and lives as well. That's the kind of Jesus we serve. And uh, I think something we can be thankful for is that His grace never runs out. That any and everybody, why they have the opportunity to breathe a breath, can experience that Jesus for these girls to sing about. So thank you so much um, for allowing me to be here tonight. I'm going to tell you, it's, um, it's hard getting up here to preach after eating like you do. <laughs> He's talking about that banana pudding sitting right here. You try to, you try to bring a message from deep. That's why you got this fan down here. I like that. We need one of these at our church. Feels good. What a privilege it is to be here, that the gospel of Christ um, truly frees us and allows us to live a life not bound by sin, not bound by shame, not bound by guilt, but in the freedom that Jesus paid for us to live in. And something that I just want to share with you tonight um, I want us to look through Galatians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, open to Galatians chapter 4 um, to talk about this freedom that we do have in Christ. Um, just for a few minutes, a very, um, again, it's a freeing passage because of the freedom that it provides for us. So Galatians chapter 4, I'm going to read it, then we'll dive in. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul writing to the church of Galatia, he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he's the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. Just uh, before we go in, just to give you a little context about what's going on here. Again, this is Paul writing to the church of Galatia. And Paul had been on the road preaching in Antioch for about 18 months. And he had just returned um, back and he had received a letter that this gospel of grace that he preached in the church of Galatia, they had fallen under major error. And the error was that a group of Judaizers who were people that sought to make living under the Mosaic law a requirement for the Christian faith, they have crept into the church of Galatia, and they're telling them, if you want to live by freedom, if you want to live by the true gospel of freedom and the gospel of Christ, you need to come back underneath this law of legalism and underneath the Mosaic law so that you can be counted as righteous. Well, this had to upset Paul because Paul had been in Galatia preaching this gospel of freedom. He had preached this gospel of grace that 
upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we have been freed out of this law-based religion into this gospel of freedom. So Paul had to, had to be a little upset. So the first three chapters of Galatia, or first two chapters of Galatia, he's, he's kind of defending this issue, and it's not until chapter 3 that he uh, gets to the heart of the issue, which was that the Galatians are now seeking to be justified by the Mosaic law. And where the false teachers were trying to convince the Galatians that to live by grace and freedom, they could live a lawless and degenerate life. Paul is saying that because Christians have been freed from bondage to our sinful nature, we now have the pathway of holiness that's open to us. It's available. And what they didn't get was where the law guards, protects, and prepares us for Jesus the fulfillment of the gospel gives us freedom from the law. They didn't get that. You see, when we give our lives to Christ, we're no longer bound by legalism. Right. No longer bound by works. We're no longer bound by conditions, but rather the ultimate work done by Jesus on our behalf at the cross of Calvary through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as he defeated death, sin, and hell forever. That's what our righteousness is founded on. It's rooted in. Not by our works, not by our conditions. So there's just a few points I want to share with you. Just like any Baptist message is. I've got a few points to share with you. Don't have a poem, but I do have some points. So, <laughs> this freedom. I want us to talk about freedom for a minute. Because I think that's something that, um, that we struggle with, don't we? Regardless of where we are in life, whatever situations are around us, sometimes we can be so bound by the works and religions. And a lot of times, what is it? You give your life to Christ, here's 1 through 10. You've got to do these things. And if you don't, well, too bad. <laughs> I guess you've got to start over. I guess you got to, uh, I guess you messed it up and you just continue on doing what you have before. But that's not the gospel of grace Paul preached. So through Christ, we're given freedom. But several things that this freedom promises. And the first point is that through this... That's a banana pudding right there. <laughs> through this freedom, we're promised adoption. Yes. Through this freedom, we're promised adoption. Look at verse, look at verse um, 3. Starting in verse 3. In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive what? Adoption, Adoption as sons. It says that we're heirs according to the promise. Have you ever been to a adoption hearing in a courtroom? There's a, uh, there's a unique thing that takes place. When you're in the courtroom, um, what happens is uh, when the adoption is about to take place, the judge will look at a child and he will say to that child, I now pronounce you with a new last name. As, and it's a point of celebration, it's a moment of excitement, it's a moment of joy because this child is now leaving this life 
of difficulty. He's leaving this life of trial. He's he's leaving this life of hardship and being joined to a new family with new parents who will love them, encourage them, and nourish them as they walk through life. It's a moment of joy. You see, when we gave our lives to Christ, when I gave my life to Christ, I was no longer just Heath Harrelson. I'm now Heath Harrelson, child of the king. Heath Harrelson, child of the king, bought by the blood of the lamb. That's what it looks like to be adopted into the family of God. We're given a new name. We're given a new name. It goes further than that. We talked about, we sang about heaven. There's a new name written down in glory. You know that song? And it's mine. Yes, it's mine what it looks like to be adopted into the family of God so that freedom promises adoption as freedom also promises redemption promises redemption because he says in the beginning of verse 5 to redeem those who are under the law it promises redemption and this is this image of God buying us back into fellowship with him now it's involved in setting someone free from past life. Now in the Bible, we're told of a man who goes into the streets and buys back his wife. You know who that is? Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3, if you flip back to Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. Hosea goes into the streets and buys back his wife with silver and barley. There's a financial transaction that takes place here. And what is happening is she is now being redeemed out of human trafficking and slavery. Hosea buys back his wife and their relationship is restored. Redemption. Redemption. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of our sin, the payment for our sin, is death. It's death. Can you pay your bill? Can you pay your bill? Satan has presented his case for death penalty. But you know what God did? God stepped back in his own creation and bought back what already belongs to him. Redemption. He walks back into his own creation and buys back. In 1 Peter 1.18, it says it's not with silver or gold. 
but with the precious blood, a lamb without blemish or defect. Redemption. So that, see, this redemption is not a financial payment. It's a death transfer. And here's what this transfer entails. He lives. He dies. I live. He lives. He dies. I live. God pays the bill. So freedom promises redemption. Freedom also promises, point three, a loving father. Look at verses six and seven. Verses six and seven. Flip back over here to Galatians. Verses six and seven of Galatians chapter four. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, as the Galatians are falling back into the law and legalism, what they're doing is basing their religion on their works rather than the work of Christ. And under the law, they're enslaved to the master to follow and perfect every command. It's an I have to attitude. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to serve enough. I have to be on these committees. I have to do all these things in order to gain my right standing before God. And Paul is saying that that's not it. What he's saying is we have a loving Father. Through His work, He gives us an opportunity to cry out to Him as a loving Father. To cry out to Him, Abba, Father. I want you to just imagine this. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. A lot of you. I want you to imagine the time your first child was born. You're in the hospital, and the nurse places that baby in your arms for the very first time. And you look down at their little face, and you experience a love and an intimacy unlike any you've ever experienced before. And Paul is saying, through the way God loves you, it far exceeds that. It far exceeds that. Which is why Paul says that the spirit within us allows us to call out Abba, Father. You know what that word Abba is translated as? Daddy. Daddy. It's that level of love. It's that level of intimacy. Displayed through the adoption and redemption we just talked about. So this freedom gives us a loving father. Lastly, this freedom promises grace. I want you to skip over to verses 21 through 23. Paul is using this example of Hagar and Sarah. He says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born 
through the promise. Now, Paul is using this old story to contrast the law and grace, where slavery and bondage of the law is represented by Hagar, and freedom and the gospel are represented by Sarah. You see, being an heir of God is a fulfillment of the promise of the gospel. And here's the ultimate freedom of this grace. The ultimate freedom of the grace, here it is. You know what the difference is between a Christian sinner and a non-Christian sinner? The Christian sinner is covered by God's grace. And the non-Christian sinner is not. When we place our faith in Christ, His grace covers us. And that can give us freedom. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's not a single perfect one in this room tonight. You got three pastors in here and we ain't close to it. Amen? Makes us thankful for grace, doesn't it? Makes us thankful for grace. You see, our name is the thing that really determines our outcome. Have you ever thought about that? Our name is what determines our outcome. Now, this statement that I just made is a statement of identity. A statement of identity. Who are we? Whose are we? You see, this is not a, this issue is not a, are you under the law? This issue is not, are you a Jew or a Gentile? This issue is not, are you slave or free? This issue is not, are you a man or a woman? The issue is not, are you an Alabama or an Auburn fan? You know what the issue is? Chapter 3, verse 29. If you are Christ. If you are Christ. If we are Christ. If our identity is in Christ. Then one, we find our place in eternity. Because we're sons and we're daughters of God. If we're in Christ, we find our place in society. Because we're brothers and sisters in the family of God. If we're in Christ, we find our place in history because we're part of God's plan of the ages related spiritually through Abraham by faith in Jesus. I love the way John Stott said this. He said, it enables me to answer the most basic of all human questions, who am I? Who am I? You ever asked that before? Who am I? And to say, in Christ, I'm a son of God. In Christ... I'm united to all the redeemed people of God, past, present, and future. In Christ, I discover my identity. In Christ, I find my feet. In Christ, I come home. There's freedom in this. There's freedom in the gospel of Christ. That His grace is sufficient. That His grace covers us. That this gospel of freedom doesn't mean to go out and live a lawless and degenerate life. That's what the Judaizers are trying to teach the church of Galatia. But what he's saying that the freedom we have in Christ enables us to walk forward. Understanding that we will mess up. We will fall short. But though God's grace covers us, we have a desire to walk and strive to be more like Jesus every day. This process of sanctification, this growing and His holiness to be more like Jesus. 
It's never a, a, a thing you get to in your life where you say, I've arrived. Amen. The most dangerous place you can ever be is say, I have arrived. You will not arrive until you stand face to face with Jesus and hear the words from him, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now to the joy of your master. And at that point, you pass from this process of sanctification to this standard of glorification. Yeah. Amen. Makes me think of this great song. You know it. My hope is built on nothing less. Than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And I love this part because this is the consummation. When he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, I will stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are you thankful for that promise this evening? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you that you have promised to continue to bless us with your grace. Mm -hmm.